Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the extra show for episode 48 on new communications. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Director Richard Angel. Let's start on the NEC election results this week the elections to the governing body of the Labour Party. The hashtag JC9, yes, nine, slate won all nine positions, including Pete Willsman. I read on Twitter that all hope is now lost for the centre-left and everyone with our politics should leave the Labour Party. Do you agree with that, Richard? I think it's a total misreading of the NEC results. The fact that 50,000 Social Democrats are still in the Labour Party, that there are up to 67,000 people who want a centre-left future for our party suggests the opposite. I think there were people who were desperate to kind of look at the results and find that all hope was dead for Labour, but that just palpably isn't true. The membership have stayed in the party. They're turning out in decent numbers. I mean, mm. there's a time in which it does feel like there isn't you know, thousands of people with our politics out there, but this shows that that's not true. It was run in an environment that couldn't in some ways have been better for momentum. They were desperate to run their kind of hysterical campaign about Jeremy Corbyn's about to be un- unseated if if the NEC changes hands, run a kind of under siege campaign. And with the backdrop of the anti-Semitism crisis, which they continue to exploit as a smear on the party rather than the problem that it is, that was clearly used as a GOTV operation for their team. And when momentum finally having really dragged their feet, took Pete Willsman off their slate, although not off their website, one, it was clearly too late to change the outcome of the result. You saw off the back of it the We Are Corbyn hashtag, which was clearly used as a GOTV operation for the NEC and keep people in the party. And I'm told by people in HQ to re-recruit people to the party who had lapsed by whatever means in the last few months. So you know, I, I, I thought it could have been much worse. I think the NEC is a worse place for not having Anne Black around the table. And that's going to be sad for everyone. And there's even a kind of reading of it that John Landsman saying how sad that is, means he's slightly worried that having basically knocked off everybody to his rights on the NEC, he's now seen by certainly CLPD who attacked him on social media, mm. or by some other coalition in momentum that he's now the most 
right-wing person in the CLPC. Well, I think CLPD attacked momentum, didn't they? But it was seen as a as a de facto go at John Landsman. So this week's episode was about new communications and, and political communications. What was the approach in that regard for the centre-left candidates? Uh, in this well, election. the centre-left candidates previously, there was always wasn't much politics in these things. CLPD ran their slate of old, which was a like-minded group of activists, many of which had been around Tony Benn's campaign or 20 years later were still inspired by it. And we stood some people who were broadly more pro the leadership as it had been and tried to kind of just wanted to make good decisions and basically let the staff do the job they're good at, which is try and help us win elections. This time, very different. The campaign came out with three strong things to say. The members must have a say on Brexit at conference, that the NEC must reflect all of the country as it is, and those constituency Labour Party places should be assigned to regions rather than just one big national bloc, which overwhelmingly means that people from London and the South East dominate. And what eventually became the demand for the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's definition of anti-Semitism to be adopted in full with no caveats. So, you know, them arguing strongly for politics was a really positive thing. And I think it meant that Progress and Labour First were able to break out of the bubbles that we currently exist in, find like-minded people or people who just had common cause over this issue. And because Brexit is such an emotive issue, because our politics is too London-centric, because anti-Semitism is a stain on our party that could be dealt with, people were willing to vote for those great candidates. And, you know, I think that was a positive on what we've done previously. And I think it shows that we're not kind of fanatics. We're not in the corner just hating on Jeremy Corbyn. We have our own vision for this country. Mm. And many people are prepared to work with Jeremy Corbyn where those things align. And many of us hoped for better from Jeremy Corbyn on some of these issues. And some of them I still think we can convince Jeremy Corbyn of. So I don't yeah. think they're necessarily seen as that's kind of, that, Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask next, really, because um, a couple of these campaigns, the, the Labour Say, .eu campaign and the NEC regions specifically, where do these campaigns go from here? Because um, does not winning these elections means that those arguments were lost? Or does it just mean that you now need to find, or we need, now need to find a different arena in which to to have those discussions i think they're things that we believe so they don't just die with a campaign that wasn't particular you know wasn't ultimately successful this time round we're still campaigning for a labor say for members at conference this year and if you are, are listening to this and it's before labor party conference please do go to your CLP meeting please propose a motion around the issue of Brexit so we can get the discussion conference floor and really hammer out as the Labour movement what we do and what we think on it. The TUC meets next week and their discussion will be important as we discussed on last week's extra show. But it is time that the kind of political wing of the movement had its view and it isn't just those in the Westminster bubble to get to decide that for us. I still think our politics are too London-centric. Changing the way the National Executive Committee works is just a small part of changing that. But until we change the Labour Party, we're unlikely to change the country on where the power dynamic lies. So it also seems that much of the democracy view is being kicked into the grass. And one of the things that I think the leadership have liked about the democracy view is it has kept various groups quiet through that process. So it wouldn't surprise me if they run the democracy review for all four years of this parliament, because they'd rather some of them talk about changing the party rather than the country and they like the internal discipline it's given them we need to kind of uh, rush through this a bit but this week i asked which labor leader had the middle name 
Macintosh, um, Alistair Harding once again was first with the right answer. Michael Foote had the middle name Macintosh, which um, as I was going through looking for people who had got the right answer on Twitter, uh, slightly struck by the fact that Michael Foote is mentioned on Twitter so often still. You know, a lot of people obviously kind of praise him and... and Continue uh, to admire him. Yeah, and a, a, lot, a lot of people compare him to Jeremy Corbyn, both in a, in a praiseworthy and uh, sometimes less than praiseworthy manner. They have a similar uh, personal designer, it feels. <laughs> they, 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 they share a wardrobe. But I came across a couple of great stories uh, that people still share on, on, on Twitter. One is about when Michael Foote was going to a football match at um, Selhurst Park. He was a big Plymouth Argyle fan. They must have been away at Crystal Palace and... Um, a police officer or a steward stopped him on the way in and asked if he had any offensive weapons. And he took out a collected work of uh, the poet John Milton and said, this is the greatest weapon in English history. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great. And I also... Only uh, something gay. Uh, uh, well, I think he went on to be the editor of the New Statesman, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I imagine. Another occasion when uh, giving a speech in the House of Commons against uh, Keith Joseph uh, and told... Who was Margaret Thatcher's... Big ideologue, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So this was while he was Secretary of State for Industry. And Michael Foote gave this speech recalling a magician that he used to watch as a child in Plymouth who had uh, taken a watch off someone in the crowd, presumably a plant, and brandished the watch. It was a very nice gold watch and put it under a, a velvet cloth and then started hitting it with a mallet and then pulled back the velvet cloth to reveal that the watch all smashed up. And then, with a look of horror on his face, admitted that he'd forgotten the rest of the trick. He looked across at Keith Joseph and said, you've got exactly that look on your face now. That is the situation of the government. They've forgotten the rest of the trick. It simply does not work. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which is a speech you could definitely still listen to on the internet. I'll, uh, I'll try and put a link to it. And would probably underneath. work for their Brexit plan. Yeah, that feels absolutely. exactly the same as the, gosh, the modern application for that. <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday with another Progressive Britain episode. Please do remember to send in any comments and questions you have. Leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Mm-hmm.